Hey guys, this is Eric from the future. Just finished recording this episode and I want to say that this is one wacky out there episode. We had a lot of fun recording it and I think we covered some really obscure and uh, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what to call it, really uh, abstract concepts and I uh, just want to say you're in for, you're in for a roller coaster if you see it through. <laughs> Welcome to Postwave. You're here with Eric and Trevor. And today we're talking about immortality in a couple of senses. One of them being just the the question of what it would be like to live forever and, and would that be good for us and should we do it? And and that those kinds of questions. And then the other sense is the more concrete technical methods we would use to get to some kind of immortality, like uh, you know, nanotechnology that repairs our bodies or Neuralink type things, whether it's actually Neuralink or not, that let us kind of connect our brains to AI and, and computers and, and do something like upload our brains, whether it could be something like that. So I think the topic of immortality is one that occurs to people a lot. Would you say that's the case for you, Eric? You mean like at some some point in your life, you're going to wonder like, ooh, ooh, could you live forever? Or would you want to? Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty natural question to ask once you learned about what death is, right? Yeah. I think when you're a kid, before you even learn about death, you kind of have a sense of immortality. You know, it's it's just before you think about it it's just that's what there is yeah yeah and you don't you don't perceive any threats hopefully because your your parents are just taking really good care of you and and kind of giving you giving you a a very very you know pleasant experience even though you're just like you're you're just too too i think too overwhelmed by the world to to really you know appreciate it Mm. Yeah, or yeah, you're so overwhelmed by the world that you are appreciating it and you haven't yet had the moment to f- reflect on the possibility that all of this tangible real experience that you're having right now may or certainly will at some point disappear. Yeah, yeah. So the idea of immortality definitely connects to a topic we touched, I think, way back in our one of our early episodes on, on time. And that was this idea I had last year, just kind of out of the blue, that because of how how physics actually works out uh, in that it can, a lot of the laws can be re- reversed in time and not, not all of them, but, but a lot of them. And that most, most theoretical physicists and physicists in general would agree, uh, according to, to people like Sean Carroll, that every point in time is equally real, right? There's no... Mm-hmm. The present moment is not all that that is real and it doesn't just it doesn't just keep changing what is real based on what feels like the present moment to us and and of course you know i feel like a very natural first question to ask from that is what what does that mean for for consciousness and and the ideas of the afterlife and the, the answer to me seems very clear knowing you know not nothing about theoretical physics but almost nothing <laughs> and um or the quantum mechanics or you know whatever whatever could be involved uh but the the conclusion seemed pretty clear which would be that if if every point in your life is equally real you're it's probably just the same thing over and over again mm. because that that's the only that's the only way i see to reconcile with the, all these moments are equally real and in all these moments you are conscious 
Yes, absolutely. I also can relate to that. And I think as we discussed in our time episode, this revelation to you that was imparted upon a psychedelic experience? Not directly, but hmm. I think I had it after I I kind of I could I took a break from psychedelics. Or I guess the last time the last time I had done it before last like last spring uh was I'm trying to remember. At least a year at least a year before that, maybe a little more, a little a little less. Um but yeah, I did I did I did uh some acid again starting in like yeah, spring spring twenty twenty after things kinda of shut down. Hmm. Um that's really interesting that you say it was related to a psychedelic experience, but not necessarily birthed from it. Um, that you were maybe thinking about it beforehand. Yeah, honestly, and I was, honestly, I don't remember. I just remember. Yeah, I think it happened after the first couple of times mm. that year when I, mm. I did it, um, and just yeah, not not even. It didn't even occur to me for a while that it would have been related. Wow. But I remember. I know. I know. Terrence McKenna has some some audio where he's talking about taking acid and being disappointed because all he got was funny ideas and you know people 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 describe you know it, it acid is is generally thought to be very visual and 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 that kind of thing and it's different for different people mm-hmm. but uh but yeah he just always said i think that was i guess that was his main impression was that it just gives you funny ideas and for the most part and it's like that's it's definitely a funny idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's super interesting because uh, I remember thinking about these sort of things prior to my first ever acid experience. And the reason I brought psychedelics up in the first place is that it was the psychedelic experience that really drove home to me that this was actually the way things are as opposed to before it was just kind of an idea I was toying with. And mm-hmm. so so my perspective uh, that I think is angling in on the exact same concept that you are uh, bringing up here in regards to time is uh, I was playing with this idea that because I exist, my existence has value because I perceive it to and because I perceive myself to exist I do exist Um, but that not only that but that if that is the nature of things if that's how everything exists then uh, or, or rather if that's how I exist then that's how everything else exists you know rooted in perception if if perception is what is the the coinage of my reality then that has to be true of all existence yeah yeah i I think that's i think that's important to to keep in mind and i definitely i definitely agree that it is it is good to exist and and i I just recently i've been thinking about like the the the, it's kind of you know it's it's kind of a, a meme that everyone knows at this point but you know the idea that we're so fractionally smaller at scales we can't even imagine from the entirety of the universe you know or even the entirety of our planet or the entirety of our solar system that scales we we literally cannot comprehend mm-hmm. and and i don't know i feel like i've maybe said this before but people i feel like people's first reaction from that is like oh nothing matters we're so insignificant <laughs> right but it's like dang you're like the rarest you know one of the rarest apparitions in the universe you know mm-hmm. and and you feel you feel things and 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 yeah you have 
you know, things that you like and things that you don't like. And, uh, yeah, it's very meaningful to, to, yeah, grow, grow as a person and, and like find a balance there. Yeah, yeah. It's like that, uh, cheesy Neil deGrasse Tyson video where there's like the, you know, cheesy new agey music. And he's talking about how when a lot of people look up at the sky, they feel small you know, all those stars and how big everything is, but that when he looks up at the sky, he feels big because he knows that the, the, the materials that make up his blood and his body are the very same materials that were fired in the crucibles of the cosmos and ejected out and uh, sort of congealed into this form that is him. And so, you know, you are... He says you are star stuff you know you are that same stuff you are the stars yeah did, did, did you mean carl sagan or neil, neil degrasse tyson oh neil degrasse tyson says this but he definitely he definitely was inspired by carl sagan yeah 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 i think i think yeah i when i think of like we are star stuff sagan is definitely the one i think of but yeah i'm sure um they both expressed similar things uh yeah, I, I don't think about that that often, <laughs> or like you know, again, because it's kind of a cliche, right? Like, oh yeah, everyone knows we're we're made of what was in the furnaces of stars billions of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell me something I don't know. Yeah, that's that's one of the strange things about existing, you know, reflecting on on the because it's so fucking weird, right? That we're here, that anything exists, mm. and that yeah. it's taking the form that it is. I mean, if you yeah. look around at anything. If you look at anything and really understand it, at the core of that is that understanding is complete bafflement. You know, it's like, what the fuck? How did this shape get here? You know? Yeah. Like people, yeah. that desk over there, the water, you know, anything. Yeah. Yep. It's all it's all because of DNA. Like literally everything you see around you that is not rocks or <laughs> lightning or weather or something is like, D- D- it's because of DNA. You know. Uh, tell me more about that. So, so I mean, we, we don't really know how life started, but in general, we think there were a bunch of, you know, amino acids, which are the, the building blocks of proteins, you know, sitting in, in lakes and, and stuff on the, the early earth. And, uh, you know, there were volcanic eruptions going on and the, the earth was being hit by meteors and comets. And that probably deposited some, some like ice water, maybe. And I guess, I think that's probably the leading theory right now. I, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think comet, comets, but actually in a large point, uh, asteroids are uh, considered to be a major source of water. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think I knew that. That's cool. Yeah, so there was this kind of organic soup of amino acids that assembled themselves somehow into something self-replicating, whether it was DNA or RNA or, or whatever. And then just some of those simple, like, basically, like, physics, <laughs> particle physics interactions like they formed this self-replicating molecule somehow that then evolved, like had the property of evolution. So it could like, you know, mutate and it could make copies of itself. Right. And some of the copies would have mutations. And then from there, it's just evolution for, you know, built billions of years. And then you get all this complexity that we see around us, including, you know, buildings and cars and jazz <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> rockets. Damn. Yeah. Well, wow. such an influence that, that life has had on, on the, the shape of the world around us. Why'd you bring that up? The point is that it, that's so, that's so rare that we should, it's, it's, 
like the rarest phenomenon in the cosmos from what we can tell as far as like volume volume goes in the universe like the this this life consciousness thing is happening in like such a tiny fraction of it how you know how precious is that Mm. and the uh, the ability to reflect and and perceive the world is so amplified by that that uh, ability to self-replicate into complex forms that Mm -hmm. it uh, makes you grapple with the fact that that ability to perceive is what imparts this experience with value yeah i think uh this is a sam harris line but he he says that the the only reason things matter is because we're here if if we weren't here things wouldn't matter you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and any experience any moment right now of perceiving of being here is going to have that appreciation and that is true regardless of the time scale we're talking about you know if your experiences over the last five minutes or the last one second or literally right now like this present moment right now that sense of appreciation of presentness of perceiving the world remains you know even to the point where we strip time away entirely (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) sorry that's all right take your time take your time reflect take some breaths formulate your thoughts uh tie this into your time your impression of time that you got not on us yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah so I, I i agree that given that idea that that life in any present moment is is meaningful is 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 definitely an antidote to i think that the fear people sometimes experience when i like tell them about this idea about time mm. <laughs> like oh that's like that's like terrifying and i get i get the why you know because life isn't all peaches and cream and <laughs> there are some hard parts but i do think it, you know if if you if you agree that life is worth living i feel like it's the best possible thing you could ask for you know absolutely um yeah and because well i mean we'll get into it but being immortal forever would not be the same thing at all um mm. and yeah. so yeah so yeah the sense of immortality in terms of extending your existence over the course of time is such a dramatically different concept than the sense of immortality of living in the present moment and feeling that eternity of the present moment forever yeah yeah so do you, do you think you'd want to do that? Want to extend my life indefinitely? Like experience experience things forever, like actual actual immortality. Now, when you say actual immortality, are you talking about the 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 experiencing the present moment outside of time, or experiencing yourself over the course of time indefinitely? Uh, I guess outside of outside of time. So like some mm. some god that like created time, or I don't doesn't really even make sense to talk about, but <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so some some something that is before the universe and after the universe, or or so, well, not I guess not before, but like but came into existence at the Big Bang and will persist even through the heat death of the universe. Like that that would be my that's like the the mm. the the actual immortality. I would okay, so so for me say. that that would be the the latter of the two that I had mentioned, rather than experiencing the uh, present moment outside of uh, you know. Outside of the passage of time because I think that's what everything is is really made of every single experience Like you said can be boiled down to a present moment 
and that each individual moment is real you know it is central to what existence is and i think that to have a rich experience of life is to tap into that to appreciate that to learn from each and every one of those experiences and integrate it into yourself as a whole across across time across multiple experiences yeah yeah and again it's, it's such a beautiful thing that this this complexity and like potential for growth and and just like flourishing happened all because of this very low level like chemistry and physics and mm-hmm. and like that that complexity can arise out of that it's just crazy but I, th- I think you're right it it does it does matter because of all the all, all the opportunities we have and and all the all the ways we can you know make the world a better place for each other all that stuff yeah and even just experiencing a richness of of, of experience you know of life uh, i think that it is entirely boils down to attending to the present moment you know you hear that all over the place and mindfulness practices and therapy and it is, it's like pay attention to right now appreciate what there is whatever it is yeah well it's it's interesting because i feel like when you first get into mindfulness it kind of goes the other way Mm -hmm. right you're you're a lot of times people talk about the the present moment is all that is real everything else is either anticipation or memory right Mm -hmm. which is totally true from our perspective and it's helpful for our our i think our well-being maybe to to be able to say anything that feels threatening to me is probably not here Mm -hmm. (laughs) right like literally probably you know right now in most in the vast majority of cases like right now you're you're doing okay you're safe you're healthy you're you know everything and Mm. it's it's just like your thoughts that are that are bugging you (laughs) um Mm. a lot of the time yeah but but i think i think yeah i think it's it's careful not to get the wrong idea from that that the the present moment is is showing us something like metaphysically about how reality works you know just because this is the whole thing just because we humans perceive it a certain way does not mean that's actually how it is in reality right what do you mean by that so like th- this gets to um the the ideas of jamie mctaggart who is this early 20th century metaphysician who's who's cited a lot by people like sean carroll so mm. mctaggart wrote this article i guess or essay whatever you would call it about the unreality of time in like 1908 or something and he basically argues that there's there's if i can remember this right basically there's a version of time where everything is just a sequence of events one after the other right and you're not saying anything is present past or future mm. right you're just saying all these moments exist in this sequence um so that'd be like the idea of a block universe um where it's just you can imagine like time slices in in 2d and and it just makes like a block shape um and so that, that would also be called eternalism and so presentism is the opposite of that it would be the only the present is real and what is a past event or a present event or a future event keeps changing somehow Hmm. and through a bunch of convoluted stuff that i could like barely follow he he shows that that's a the the second way of representing or thinking about time would be a contradiction the one where events change to be you know at first they're in the future then they're present and they're past Hmm. like it's okay it's kind of incoherent for any one event to change right change what what category it's in yeah that kind of makes sense yeah and so it's it's been i mean this was you know over 100 years ago and it's been been very very controversial right so you're bringing this up because you're saying that the perception of the present moment as being the only true experience and that the past and future are illusory 
could be a uh, just the way we're perceiving it as humans and not and not actually true. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because the the way our the way our perceptual system works, it's based on I'm going to predict what's going to happen here. I'm going to react to it. You know, um, that that's basically what it is. I think I think some people I think some people have argued that that might be what consciousness is is some kind of predictive, like um, guessing what things are before they're they're actually there, and then you know your brain kind of fills in the in the blanks mm, interesting, somehow. Interesting. Interesting. Kind of generative, uh, creating the world based on uh, the blanks it's filling in. Yeah, well, I mean, and your your brain is your your brain is creating a model of the world all the time, right? But I mean, not even creating a model, but I mean, uh, creating the future shape of the world based on its uh, predictions of what the future might be like. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just trying to to find patterns and and you know extrapolate them. You build patterns, you know. You can what? B- uh, build patterns, you know. The the perceiving uh, of the future, because the future does not exist, it is malleable, and by forming perceptions, we actually shape how the world will develop. Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, that that is true. And if we have something like free will, it is, it is the power to introspect about our own choices and kind of interrogate them and see if they're, you know, what their actual impacts are. Mm, interesting. <laughs> yeah like the the self the self-referential stuff is a lot of what makes human the human mind the, the way it is yeah interesting so that kind of uh answers uh the sort of experience of immortality that we were just talking about of existing in the present moment for eternity and you know i, th- I think that is a valid interpretation of immortality and uh, finding meaning in the present but uh you were asking instead about the other interpretation of mortality of immortality which is as we are as this moment in consciousness extending that over the course of time indefinitely yes um yeah what are your thoughts about that would would you do it oh d- definitely not i feel like <laughs> I mean, it, it, I guess it does get to the question of how you'd be living that out. I mean, if you were in a computer where you could just literally change how your mind works, like maybe you could find a way that you would want to do that. Mm-hmm. But but the thing with computers is they run so much faster than the human brain. So I don't even know what, you know, 100 trillion years on a computer would feel like. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's even more, that's more incomprehensible. But yeah, not, not, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll just, we just talk about this now. I probably wouldn't want to live like, I don't know. I think a thousand years is probably like the longest I want to live, but I, it's obviously hard to. I mean, so that's a really say. curious question because we just both confirmed that we like existing and appreciate living in the moment. And mm-hmm. so why would you not want more of that? Well, I think, again, if you could change your cognition, I think it would be a different thing. But mm. um, at some point, you're just going to kind of run out. I mean, actually, we don't know. We actually don't know. Um, if you would just kind of run out of things that you would, you know, find interest in or, or, you know, you, you wouldn't be getting the same thing out of relationships that you used to, or, um, that kind of thing. Mm. Like you're just kind of, you kind of, <laughs> you kind of saw what there is to see and, <laughs> and you, you had it and you had a really good time, but it, you know, it's, it's time to just time to, uh, I would say start over, but time to time to, you know, uh, say goodbye, I guess. I don't know. Mm. Hmm. So, so to me, that's that feels a little contradictory and i think i think there's a a truth in it maybe we can kind of bring that out um so 
one thing you said that was so interesting to me was that maybe if you could find a way to change yourself, change the way you experience the world, then you would want to exist over larger time spans. Yeah, I mean, I think I think part of it, I forget if I said this already, but but humans are just not evolved or cut out to to live for that long. Mm. I think I think it would just again, we don't we don't really know what it would do to the human brain, but it's definitely not designed for that. So Mm -hmm. totally. So we would need some method to transform ourselves from our current state in order to adapt to this entirely new state of life, you know, a state of life not confined to like 80 years, which is the normal human experience. Right, right. Yeah, that would be a very interesting psychology experiment to see go down. (laughs) (laughs) If you're enjoying what you're listening to so far and you want to support us somehow, there's lots of ways you can do that. You can go follow us on Facebook or Instagram or visit us online at postwavepodcast.com or send us a nice email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on pretty much everyone out there. Give us a nice review if you're on a platform that supports that or a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. I would love. To, I'm sure there are polls out there about how long you would live if you could be immortal. I mean, uh, or how is, long would you live? I mean, it is interesting that you bring this up because I think, surprisingly, a lot of people will say that they wouldn't actually want to live forever. At some point, they want to kick the bucket. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think that comes down to uh, existing as you are and the ability to adapt and change what you are is directly proportional to your willingness to live and continue living. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can definitely see the, the, the merit in that. I think for a, or a lot of people, it's, it may be, I mean, it's the whole idea that life is short and so it's precious. And mm-hmm. if you, if you stretch it out so much, maybe it wouldn't, it wouldn't seem as precious. I, I don't, I don't necessarily buy that. Um, mm. But I think that that might be one reason uh, people, people would say that so yeah so one one other aspect then is the question of uh trade-off because i think that the more experience of life that you have and maybe that comes with years maybe it doesn't necessarily but the more experience of life that you have eventually you're going to come to the point where you recognize that no matter what you do, life is going to persist past you. Things are going to go on from this present moment or from a different moment and uh, con- you know continue to exist. There's always going to be something. Yeah, yeah, we're all, we're all in this roller coaster together. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I guess it I guess it depends what you mean by something because you know at, at the end of the universe when there's entropy is maximized, like is there anything there? Uh, yeah, and then you get into the question like, are are there other universes? And you know, there's scientific evidence to imply, if not prove, that there really are. You know, things like mm-hmm. uh, the inflation, the uh, the way that during the early stages of the Big Bang, the universe expanded 
and was influenced by this mysterious force that we can't understand from seemingly outside of the universe because we we have no no description of uh, no concept of how it could have arisen from within it uh, that fits our models so so that there's you know evidence that there are forces from outside of our uh, four-dimensional universe that are you know real real existences yeah and i think i, I hadn't heard about that that's pretty crazy <laughs> but i i had heard that some people are looking at the cosmic microwave background radiation, which is basically like the last echo of the Big Bang we can see. Like we can't, from from what I understand, that's as far back as we can see in time and not any further, but looking out into the, the universe. Mm. Um, but there's, there it's, it's asymmetric. There are some patterns. And there was one theory that in like a relatively lower energy part of the, the uh, cosmic microwave background radiation, that was where another universe, bubble universe had like, touched touched our universe or something yeah. and like taking away some of the energy but mm. who, who knows but but it, it should be it should be uniform everywhere is is exactly if what we think is yeah. true and the, the fact that there's fluctuations that implies that there's something outside that caused those fluctuations mm-hmm. that's kind of like if you remember having a bubble bath as a kid and seeing all those bubbles pressed up against each other and you know if there's one on its own, it's a circle, but when it's next to the other, it gets these flat edges. Yep, yep. All distorted. So, I mean, considering that, that is has really drastic implications when we talk about immortality because uh, true immortality would mean existing perpetually. You know, there there is no limit past which existence can't persist. Um, however that kind of will also prove that in order to exist past these barriers, you know, transitioning into another plane of existence, for example, you are going to have to leave behind something of what you were. You know, parts of you are going to have to die and transform so that a part of you can persist. Right, yeah, it's possible. Yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely going to lose something if we try to exist forever, like, yeah. Like we've kind of been saying, there's no way to do that and maintain our current form or our current thinking, at least about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so core to our, our intuitive understanding. The, the reason why people don't say that they want to live to forever is knowing that in order to do so, you have to infinitely be able to change the core of what you are. And uh, to the extent that you're not able to do that, the more graceful thing, the thing that will encourage the most life, the, the most growth, the thing that will encourage other parts of life to persist past those barriers is to surrender control. Yeah, and I think I think a big part of this will be, I, I would guess that that no one would really want to do this alone. Like it's it's probably gonna you know unless your family and friends are all are all doing it. Like I don't think uh, most people would probably not want to you know see all their friends and family pass away and then they're alone, and you know they can try to make new relationships, but it's not it's not the same as if you know, everyone everyone you know is is essentially immortal. Like that would be a whole different <laughs> thing because you're experiencing it. You're all kind of together in this this new form that you're in, and and I think that's that's probably what more people would opt for yeah interesting and more communal and so when we start talking about like transcending the bounds of physical space in order to uh, get past this one particular barrier of the literally infinite barriers in the progression of continuing to exist uh, over time in order to get past this particular barrier we need to 
no 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 human individual will be able to do that we need to basically birth or congeal into some sort of uh unified uh experience uh, some sort of unified entity of humanity yeah yeah and hopefully i mean i'm I'm sure inequality is going to play into if this if this ever does happen i mean it's the rich people are going to get it first right (laughs) but they're going to get it all right (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah so that uh, maybe some sort of artificial intelligence hive mind that connects all of humanity into some greater form of consciousness is the entity that can transition past that uh, barrier of space-time yeah i mean i imagine most people wouldn't want to become you know like change their form Mm -hmm. (laughs) too much i mean maybe besides like the now you're okay with living for forever (laughs) like you know that could just be like a switch Mm -hmm. um or something probably (laughs) but (laughs) uh i think yeah i think most people would want to basically just have it be like normal life except for you know maybe you can fly and (laughs) and you know you don't you don't you can eat whatever you want you don't get older you uh just have heaven basically right like why would you why would you want anything else like you just do whatever you love all day and okay for me that sounds like that would get boring after about two weeks (laughs) yeah and maybe maybe part of that is if you were bored you know well okay what would you do because you could do anything literally anything in that situation well yeah that's the thing um and alan watts talks about this in a really beautiful thing you know what if you went to bed and you dreamed and you you know having this crazy lucid dream that you could control everything and you did everything you could possibly do you're the king and you're the god of the universe and you fly around and you have sex with all the beautiful people all at once and you do everything you could possibly (laughs) ever want to do and then eventually you get bored because i i did all that you know um and so you're going to add a little bit of spice by intentionally forgetting things, intentionally putting yourself out of control, surrendering aspects of your experience to external influence so that you don't know what's going to happen. And that's viscerally exciting. There's something about that, you know, the actual risk, the actual uh not already knowing what's going to happen before you start because you're in complete control and that you'll do that and you'll add a little bit more risk and a little bit more uh surrender a little bit of control forget a little bit of your omnipotence and then eventually you're going to dream the exact experience that you're having right now yeah yeah i remember yeah we've talked about that a lot i i think I, so this this kind of connects to one of my other theories about about reality and, and simulation in 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 particular. So I, I mean I, I just keep getting the image in my head of what, what what's the what the game from Rick and Morty where you like <laughs> Dave or something <laughs> Roy yeah Roy <laughs> where you know you you basically live an entire life as this guy until you die somehow and then you wake up from the game and you just go about your day and it like you know five minutes past or something yeah like that it could be it could be likely that, that is that is going on i i i'd say it's less likely than than that it's not but because if you if you take Nick Bostrom's argument that that it it's the the simulations will outnumber the simulated beings will outnumber the unsimulated beings right if if we can make simulations then the the simulated beings will outnumber the the real beings mm-hmm. and also also assuming that uh civilizations do that and that they you know no matter whether they can or not like they make the choice to to actually do it mm-hmm. 
um, and it, it since uh, bigger simulations would be more like computationally intensive, it would make sense that there are a bunch of like smaller simulations, you know. But obviously, yeah, I hesitate to talk about it because it's it's like a disturbing, kind of a disturbing thing to say. <laughs> um, and again, I, I think that I think the probability of that is, is pretty low, and I, we shouldn't we shouldn't pretend like that's how it is. But I think it, I think it's kind of a natural extension of Dick Bostrom's mm -hmm. ideas. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I think his thought experiment is really fascinating. There's got to be some kernel of truth to it. I feel like maybe the way things really are is rather than one base reality and then a layer of realities that are abstractions upon that up until a certain limit, maybe in the same sense that every moment that feels like this is the the only reality but that you can infer that every other moment uh, every other point in space-time is having uh, another valid experience of what it is to exist in the same sense of that each world that can be having experiences that can be forming simulations is its own base reality and so you could have an infinite chain of base realities, each uh, interreferential to each other. And in that way, it's basically like Alan Watts is saying, an infinite chain of dreaming all the way up. Yeah, dang. <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah, it's dreams all the way down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and then there's, I think Nick Bostrom also talks about how the 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 people in the simulation above you might have certain rules about how you can act. I mean, they you know they did set the system, whatever the laws of physics are, but they might you know they might be judging you somehow. Probably, I would guess probably not. But because yeah, who would who would subject themselves to that? But uh, um, so yeah, I don't I don't I don't think that's that's likely. But you you also get to the question of like what if you could like could you have a nested chain of simulations? Because you would think that they would just have to get lower and lower quality as you went down the 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 chain right so like if mm -hmm. we're in a simulated reality and we try to simulate something then it it'll kind of have to be a lower resolution and it might not be it might be impossible to actually simulate reality as fully as as we experience it which i, I don't think that's true but it's mm -hmm. it's definitely possible yeah i mean so that's such an interesting exploration because like if you assume that there is the base reality this one is real and that the simulated world birthed from that is less real because it's an abstraction of the original world, then yeah, eventually you're going to get lower and lower resolution until it's not real anymore. But if the world you birthed is another experience of reality as equally as real as your own on equal footing then you don't have that you don't have that uh degrade degradation over the course of experience it's blockchain dreaming <laughs> dang yeah i guess i mean again we, we don't know about any of this stuff but <laughs> but <laughs> yeah i i see your point that that you could potentially run run simulations that were like exactly as as high fidelity as as real life and indistinguishable from it but but again, I have heard people say that to simulate the entire universe, you would need the entire universe. Like there's not really a, mm -hmm. there's not really a compression you can do there, mm -hmm. you know? That's a interesting exploration. I definitely don't have all the answers. Yeah. If you do out there, 
whoever you, whoever's listening to this, if you've made it this far into the episode, congratulations. Uh, <laughs> and thank you. Uh, <laughs> we, we hear it's really hard. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but uh, we would love to hear your thoughts if you've made it this far, if you have some answers or some questions. Yeah. Okay, so, so I feel like you still haven't answered my question. I'm sorry, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> give, give, give me a number <laughs> seven so, so, <laughs> how 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 many fucking years do you want to live if you could um if i have the courage to accept infinite change of myself then i want to live for infinite years okay yeah i could i mean yeah ass- assuming it's possible to change yourself in that way mm-hmm. um i think it's equally as valid to accept uh, surrender, to accept a life that is going to fizzle out, that will end at some point, and to live that life in such a way that will encourage a vibrancy of life around you, that will encourage someone else to have that courage to change yeah, yeah, this, this just occurred to me, but it's it, there's an interesting parallel to the idea that we should colonize the universe, right? Mm. Um, because eternity is kind of like colonizing time. Like if you're going to live forever, like you are you are putting, I, and I don't, I mean, colonizing has a, kind of a, a negative connotation now. So whatever, whatever you want to say, uh, like settling probably also has a negative connotation, but just, you know, extend, extending human human consciousness into the, into the cosmos. Like if you think that's a, a like a noble thing to do, then... Uh, it's it's not necessarily the same question as whether we should extend life infinitely if we could, but I think they're they're related. Hugely, absolutely, yeah. Per- perpetrating something, even if it's not you, even if it's some cousin of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so fascinating because at its core, that is imperialism. That is colonization. Saying our life right now is worthwhile. We're going to go out there where there is perceived nothing and we're going to take that space and make it our own. And, you know, in the course of human history, that perceived nothing is like there's always someone there. There's always something there and taking it has consequences. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I would want to say that anywhere with life, we would be very, very cautious about I'd hope so. interfering with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't I don't think. I don't think, you know, if we were to discover that there were microbes on Mars, like under the surface or something, mm-hmm. like, I don't think that should stop us from colonizing it. You know, like there, there's, it's not like a hard and fast. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. if there were advanced like animals or you know, any kind of advanced life that wasn't like microscopic, then I think, uh, but if there's microscopic advanced life, then fuck them. Actually. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it might be really bad to be on a, on a planet with like microscopic, like relatively advanced microscopic life. Cause some of those things are just gonna be able to like destroy you <laughs> like that, but i'd be sure <laughs> just because you have like no defenses mm. for them or whatever yeah. but that's so interesting because like anytime you're colonizing even what you perceive to be nothingness maybe it's true that no matter what that is no even if it's um, empty space you are occupying that space and you're doing so in such a way that is going to prevent other things from occupying that same space i don't know maybe you can do that in a way that is constructive that other 
forms of life can cohabitate that space with you or maybe you do it in a way that uh prevents other life from collaborating and just allows you and uh maybe there's merits to doing one way or the other yeah yeah and the the yeah the specifics i think the the, the devil would be in the details of how what the life is like and how how you know how how it would potentially impact us but i think i mean i think the absolute first thing would just be no one touch it because we've never seen this before ever <laughs> in human history and like i mean i'm sure the scientists wouldn't let people go anywhere near it for you know years and years and years and years so yeah um yeah the ability to integrate with an alien experience um so uh i mean no matter what when we're confronting another you know whether it's like a different uh cross pollinization of the multiverse like a different experience uh intersecting with our own uh across a different trajectory of space-time or if it's like alien life on a different planet no matter how we intersect that's going to be a violent uh collision and there will be loss but at the same time i think there's a possibility for great gain and so maybe uh there is uh, a justification in going out and colonizing existence uh, dreaming into that emptiness um if you if you do it with with uh care yeah yeah this that's actually that's something i thought about with immortality before which is which is that you know all the all the the scientific advances you could see if you lived for that long including you know maybe we we get far enough that we fight aliens ourselves or they come to us or something Mm. like you get to know the answer to that you get to know the answer to dark energy and dark matter hopefully and and i don't know that that would that would be a reason that i would i would maybe stick around longer than a thousand years if like none of that stuff has happened (laughs) yeah yeah because there's always gonna be another great mystery no matter how fucking much you know no matter what you've solved it's always going to be something more and if you can if you can take that in and be interested about it then you have a reason to keep living yeah i mean i think super intelligent ai could potentially get rid of all the mysteries not not <laughs> not guaranteed not gu- guaranteed but i think it's possible i don't i think that at a certain point there will be always something beyond that is un- not understood yeah, I mean, our, our, and it might be that the answer is our human brains can only comprehend so much, and literally, it tries to tell us that we just can't. You know, it's it's not it's not in a form that we can actually parse. It's like some some complicated thing we can't even imagine, and and that whole thing. Guess we'll never find out. Yeah. Well, I mean, we might, <laughs> <laughs> but only if we become other than we are. Yeah. What do you think about that? For a, it's a good place to yeah, stop it. Yeah, I think yeah. that was that was a good good way to tie it up.